This morning's scripture reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. There was a line in one of the songs that we sang earlier that struck me as it never had before. Let me read these words to you again, because to me it says, this is what we're here for. This is what worship is all about. Lord, I come to your awesome presence, from the shadows into your radiance. And that's really what life is in the world, isn't it? Life in the world is living in the shadows, so to speak. It's, it's not all bad. There is light. But there are shadows of unbelief, there are shadows of doubt and fear, and yet we're coming into the presence of God when we come to worship Him. We are coming into His radiance. And it's kind of like those glow-in-the-dark things that we buy at the store. You know, you've got to hold them up to the light, and if you hold them long enough, they're going to glow very brightly. And that's what we want to do in the world, I hope. Because we are the lights of this world, and as we come together like this, we are exposing ourselves to the glory of God, and we want to shine for Him. What a blessing. What a blessing it is to be together again and to have this opportunity to let God know how much we appreciate Him and how much we need His Son. We're so glad you're with us today. You are uh, an honored guest if you are a guest, and we, we see several today that are here. Maybe you came because a friend invited you, or maybe you're just here for another reason, but we are glad you're here because today is Family and Friends Day. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we're doing anything different because we're really not other than uh, a meal afterwards, but uh, this is the way we are week in and week out. Uh, we come together very simply to study the Word of God. We come to worship God. We come to encourage one another. And so we encourage all of you who are visiting, look around. Ask questions. Uh, there's information at the Welcome Centers. Uh, feel free to take any of that that you'd like. If we can answer any questions, we'd like to do that. But we'd love for you to come back. Anytime you're able, we'd love for you to come and join us anytime. You are indeed our honored guest. And, and brethren, uh, those who are regulars here, I, I need your help. Because today I'm going to have to get away pretty quickly. Um, I have to report back to prison this afternoon. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but our worship service up there begins at 1.30. It's an hour away, so I do have to get on the road pretty quickly. So all of you be extra good about meeting visitors and let them know, we are really glad you're here, and we would appreciate that a great deal. But we are glad you're here. Hope you'll come back and join us again this evening at 6. 
Uh, Dustin is going to be preaching, right? All right, Dustin is ready. And, uh, you know, we, we have a, a blessing in that Greg and Dustin both are very good Bible students, and they have really uh, grown in their ability to preach the Word of God. And so come back tonight and uh, hear what Dustin has and encourage these young men as they are trying to grow into better, more effective servants of God. And, and before we get into our lesson, I just want to make a, a statement and see if you have any response to it. And that statement is, God is good. <laughs> all the time. That is true, is it not? God is good all the time. So let's get into his word. Hope you've got your Bible with you, that you'll open it with us and study with us, because there are things here that will make our lives so much better. Let's get into that right now. Now, I'll begin by talking about a a TV show that maybe you have seen at one time or another. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I, I'm not even sure it's on now. Let's make a deal. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Monty Hall? It started back in 1963. It's kind of like The Price is Right and other game shows like that. But, but the person who is the contestant, or they call them the trader, uh, they're given a, a, some kind of a prize, and, and then they'll say, but you can trade that for what's behind door number one, door number two, door number three, or curtains, I don't know which it is, but they can't see what's behind that, and so they have to take a chance. And sometimes it turns out to be a fabulous prize, and they made a good decision, and sometimes it turns out to be a zonk. I think that's what they call it, a zonk, and that could be a, a billy goat, or it could be, you know, a pile of trash. I, I don't know. It's something of no value that anybody would want to take home with them, but that's what they're stuck with because they chose that door. Life can kind of be like that, can it? Because sometimes we're standing before a door so to speak, not a literal door, but it is a choice. And we have to decide, is this the way I want to go? Is that the way I want to go? And sometimes we make a good decision and sometimes not so good. And our lives are disappointed. We don't do as well as we might have if we had made another choice. And so we understand that game let's make a deal. And sometimes it seems like, well, that's the way it is. We just have to Take a guess. Really? Is there not a better way to approach life? In the year 2017, we have made our theme Salt Life, Faith Life. Salt Life is a, a bumper sticker that you may have seen, or you may have uh, clothing that has the logo on it. And it simply means here is a person that loves the beach. And even though they're in Johnson City right now, they'd rather be at the beach. They love the, the surf. They love the salt water, the refreshing nature of it, that's where their heart is. Well, we're not here to talk about the beach, but we are here to talk about something better, and that is heaven and a relationship with God that is a blessing. And every first Sunday of the month, we're talking about that theme in one way or another. Well, today we want to raise the question, is that really the way to go? Is that really the best life? And I'm convinced, and many of you here today are convinced, yes, the faith life is the best life. So let's talk about that 
And let's just try to remind ourselves or convince ourselves this is the way to live. First of all, let's talk about the question, what is faith life? I mean, what are we talking about? Faith life is a kind of comparable to, to using a GPS. You know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Uh, a few years ago, my family and I took a vacation in Miami. That's where my wife grew up. It's very different now than when she grew up. But uh, we went down there, and I, I was kind of hesitant about going down there because it's a big city now, and not everybody there speaks English in case I get, get lost. And I'm a country boy. I just don't like being in big cities and so I had the, the advantage of having a GPS, and we'd decide, well, we want to go to this place, and we would plug in the information, and, and it would say, turn left, one mile ahead, or, you know, whatever. It, it would guide me. And I put my faith in that GPS device, and for the most part, it did very well. There's a couple of times in my use of GPS devices, they've, you know, they've been mistaken, but most of the time, they're very reliable, I've found. Well, that's kind of what faith life is about. Faith life is getting directions from another source. It doesn't come from my head. It doesn't come from my heart. I get my direction from God. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, many of us know this very well, and it just sets out a principle that is absolutely true. And hear what Jeremiah said a long time ago, Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his steps. And isn't that just like me in Miami without a GPS? I don't know where I'm going to end up. I need somebody to guide me. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. Lord, we don't have the way in ourselves. And life proves that. How many times have we or others that we know of failed because we did not take God's advice? And as a result, our life gets into big trouble. Uh, we run into all kinds of strife and turmoil. And then we think, I should have listened to what the Lord told me a long time ago through His Word. I, I knew better. I just chose not to follow what God taught me. But God is saying there, we don't have it within us, and, and therefore the need, the need is there for every one of us for guidance from somewhere else. Now, where is that going to come from? Let me take you to Deuteronomy now. Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 24. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 24. Now, Moses is the speaker on this occasion, and he's about to say goodbye to the people of Israel. He knows his life is about to end, and they are about to enter into the promised land. It's a new experience for these people. They have been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. Well, their ancestors have been. They themselves had not. But uh, for the last 40 years, they've been wandering around in the wilderness. Now they're going to have their own towns, their own cities. How do we get by? I mean, they, they didn't have any experience in living a civilized life, as we would call it. Well, listen to what Moses says in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 24. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, and he's talking about whatever God may have told them. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good 
always, for our good, always, that He might preserve us alive as we are this day. And that simply says that you can trust God. That's what He was saying to Israel long ago. You can trust God because His intentions are good. Now, sometimes we may wonder, should I really have turned back there? Is this really the right lane to be in? And if that GPS knows what it's talking about, yeah, it is. But with God, we know He knows what He's talking about, and we will end up in a good place if we follow Him. Look again in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy 12, verse 28. And again, a similar statement. In fact, there's lots of these statements scattered throughout the book of Deuteronomy. But let me just give you one more. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. And and you see, the idea is not complicated. The idea is follow God and it's going to be good. Follow the GPS. You're going to get to where you want to go. And it's the same way with God, only far more reliable than any man-made GPS. Now, sadly, we're told in Judges chapter 17 and verse 6, Judges 17 and verse 6, they didn't heed the advice. They turned off their GPS, you might say. Because listen to what it says in Judges 17, 6, and this is just a couple of generations after Moses made those appeals. In those days, there was no king in Israel Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Do you want to live in a place like that? Where everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes? I don't. I call that situation chaos. I've seen movies about the Old West and and how, you know, the new marshal comes into town and he's gunned down about as soon as he gets in town and, and they're just hooping and hollering, robbing banks and hurting people and nobody cares. Or they do, but they can't do anything about it. That's what we're looking at there. They did not pay attention to God. They did what was right in their own eyes. They could have had it so much better if only they had listened to God and lived the faith life. We have an opportunity to do better. Jesus, in John chapter 10 and verse 10, makes this offer. He says, here is why I came to this earth. And just listen to this kind of statement about what we could have if we would follow Jesus. John 10 and verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I don't want to just live. I want to live abundantly, to to know that I have something better waiting for me, to have joy and meaning in this life, to to know I'm fulfilling a purpose that is higher than I am. I, I want to live life abundantly. And that's what Jesus says. I came to give that if you'll follow me in the faith life. And that's why we say in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, Paul actually wrote it, but We agree with him. This is the faith life. Because in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 he says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Now that doesn't mean we're just blindly leaping out into the dark. We talked about this in the Sunday school class up here this morning. 
Because there's good evidence, there's good solid foundation for what God is telling us, but we walk by faith. We're listening to His directions, and we're not trusting our own head, our own heart, because that often fails us. We're following God. And that's what we mean by faith life. A decision to follow God, and that essentially means Christianity, living for the Lord, following Him. Would you want to be on a plane where the pilot can't see where he's going? Would you want to do that? I hate to say this, but it happens regularly. (laughs) And you know that if you've ever looked out the window of an airplane, because when you get up to a certain altitude, you're above the clouds, if there happen to be clouds that day. And there's not a thing you can see down below you. There are no landmarks. There's nothing. How do you drive that plane? Well, again, it's like GPS. In fact, that's where our GPS came from. It originally was designed for aircraft, as I understand it. And, uh, and there again, they get you to where you want to go most of the time because it's directions even when you can't see where you're going. That, again, is what we're talking about with the faith life. Now, let's move on to the, to the second part of this lesson, and that is, well, why should we choose the faith life? I mean, you're telling us what it's about, but I mean, why should I give up my seat at the controls and and let God direct my life? Is there a good reason for that? Yes. In fact, I'm going to give you seven good reasons. Going to do them very quickly, not going to elaborate much on any of them, and we could add a whole lot of others to the list. But this is the the reason why we follow God And so let's just get into it. Why should I live the faith life? Let's begin in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And here we find again a statement that is very familiar to many of us. But listen, he says, without faith, without this faith life, this commitment to living by faith, without faith it is impossible to please him. That is, please God. It's the only life that will please God. That's the point of what he's saying. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Two things there that are so critical. Number one, do we believe that there is a God in heaven? And there's plenty of evidence to show that. If you'd like to discuss that at more length, I'd love to talk with you about it. I don't have all the answers, but I have some answers, and lots of us do. And then secondly, in addition to the fact that there is a God in heaven, He's a good God. He rewards those who seek Him. And when we live that kind of life, we know we're going to please Him. If we're following His directions, nothing else, just the directions that God has given us through His Word. That's the only life that will please God. But secondly, let me give you another reason why the faith life is superior, and that is the faith life is a life of love for all. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 43 and 44, and, and just think about this. Now, immediately you might say, well, love, I know all about that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know the kind of love the New Testament teaches us, 
Because listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We all have that down. (laughs) That's just the way the world teaches us. But Jesus says in verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. I don't feel like loving them. That's not what the word love is all about in this passage. It's the Greek word agape. You know about that word, I trust. It means doing what is right and best for that individual, even when we don't feel like it. That's the standard. And what difference would that make in the world if more people were living by love? Would there be wars? Would there be strife? Would there be backbiting and bickering and slander? Not if we're living by that principle. In fact, go on to verse uh, chapter 7 of Matthew. Look at verse 12. It's what we normally call the golden rule. You know this. Jesus said, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And that's love in the biblical sense. Even though I don't like you, maybe at this moment, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm following the directions I received by faith, and I'm going to do what is good for you, and that will make a difference in this world. But here's a third reason for choosing the faith life, and that is found in Mark chapter 10, verses 43 and 44. It is a life of serving others. And again, I know immediately this may not strike you as very good. You might say, well, I'd rather not be a servant, thank you. Think again. Listen to what it says in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 43. It shall not be so among you. He was talking to his disciples who had said, Lord, we want to be on your right hand, on your left hand. We want to be the top dogs. Jesus said, don't be like that. Don't always be seeking power. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Wow, talk about radical thinking. And then he goes on in verse 44. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. And again, you may say, well, I don't want that. But think about the difference it would make if I did not have to insist on my own way all the time, if I did not have to be the head of the line every time the doors opened to Black Friday, if I didn't always have to be king of the hill, there'd be a lot less stress in my life, and maybe we could get along better together. And you see, again, it shows. And are we not imitating the life of Jesus when we choose this path? Because look at the illustration on the screen. There's Jesus, the Lord of all, washing feet. That's the job of a slave. And yet Jesus said, if you know what I've done, if you do as I have done, happy are you? Oh, it's a different way of living. But it's one that is more likely to bring joy and peace into your life than what the world teaches us. Number four. 1 Timothy chapter 6, go there, 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8, and now we're going to talk about how the faith life is a life of contentment, a life of contentment. Do you know what contentment is? A lot of Americans don't, because when we get something that we've wanted for a while, well, now it's something else. 
And then once we finally find a way to get that, well, now it's something else. We're never satisfied. We're not content. But listen to this passage. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. That's the way to be rich. Learn to get by without a whole lot of stuff. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. And wouldn't that be a different way of living? Rather than, you know, browsing the catalogs or surfing the internet and watching the commercials on TV and saying, you know, I didn't know I had to have that, but I've got to have that. We crave things, and that makes us miserable until we get them. And then it doesn't help because we're on to something else. Faith life is better because it leads to our learning contentment. Number five, 1 John verse one, chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, and this says the faith life is a forgiven life. A forgiven life. And again, we know what that is. I mean, we've all made mistakes, some of them pretty big. And wouldn't it be nice to be able to go back and just wipe the record clean? But that's not possible, is it? Not with man, but with God. Listen, 1 John 1 and verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of it. That's too good to be true. It is true. And we believe it because God said it. And if I will let God guide my life, that's where I'm going to end up. A clean record, a fresh start, forgiven. That's pretty good. Number six, the faith life is better. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 11, 14 through 16. The the faith life is better because it is a hope-filled life. A hope-filled life. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith and people that live by faith. And we recognize many of the names there in that chapter. But let's sum it up. Let's look at verses 14 through 16 of Hebrews chapter 11. People who speak thus, he's talking about people like Abraham and Noah and all those great people of the past. People who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they seek a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Sometimes I like living in this world. A lot of times I like living in this world, but sometimes I don't because this world is not perfect. There's illness, there's death, there's crime, there's fear, there's sadness and tears. Sometimes I'd like something better. And that's what it's saying there. Living the faith life means that we're on the path to a land that is so much better than what we have here. Let's go. Let's follow that path because that's where it's headed. And number seven, the faith life, here's the good news. The really good news, 
It's open to anyone. The faith life is open to anyone. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Here's Jesus talking. Jesus ought to know he's the Son of God that came down to save us. Well, Lord, who qualifies? Is this one of those fine print at the bottom? You know, you've got to meet this qualification. You can't have done that or else there's no hope for you. Listen to Jesus. John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And did you notice the word that he used there in verse 14? Whoever. That's an open-ended offer. That means nobody is excluded If they come to Jesus, following the path of faith and obedience, nobody is excluded. And notice, he's talking there to a woman. It said that in verse 13. It was a woman from Samaria. And in that time, if you were a Jew, you would say, well, do not talk to her. Number one, she's a woman. Number two, she's a Samaritan. But Jesus changed all that. Jesus said, if you are a human being made in the image of God, you are welcome. You're welcome. We want you to come. That's why the faith life is better. Where are you going to find that in this world where anybody is welcome? Let me sum it up with one other verse. And this is Psalm 34 and verse 8. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Because as I said, there are other reasons that we could give in addition to the seven that we've already given. But, but let me just say this, because Scripture says it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Now, if I sat down and wrote something that, that said, here is why you ought to buy Chick-fil-A, <laughs> that might not convince you very much. But what if we give you a sample of Chick-fil-A. And isn't that what made them so wonderfully, wildly successful? All those samples that were handed out all over the world? Taste it and see. And that's what we're saying this morning. That's what God is saying. Give it a chance. Give me your life and then you tell me if this isn't the best life possible. And I think you will say, oh Lord, you have blessed us so well. I'll finish by telling you about a story that was written in 1882 by a man named Frank Stockton. I actually thought this was one of Aesop's fables, and then I found out, no, it's, it's much more recent than that. The Lady or the Tiger is the name of it. Most of you probably read it in school. And the idea was there was a king who had a very different way of administering justice, determining right or wrong, and he would set the accused before two doors Behind one of them would be a woman that he had personally selected, and if he chose that door, then that would become his bride. Immediately, he had to marry that woman. Well, what's behind the other door? A hungry, man-eating tiger. Now, you may not want the woman behind that door, but would you rather have the tiger? (laughs) Not many would. 
But you see, it's all a matter of luck. It's rolling the dice. That's not a very good way to administer justice, is it? With God, it's not that way. There are doors, yes, still there are doors to choose from, but don't you see God is standing beside the right door and he's pointing at it? He's got a big neon sign that's flashing that says, this is the one. (laughs) You have no reason to be surprised or deluded because he's pointed out to you, this is the way. This is the right way, the way that leads to life. He wants you to come. The faith life is the best life. Try it and see. If you're not yet a child of God, try it today. The the terms are simple. They were announced on the day of Pentecost, the day the church began in Jerusalem, when people said, well, what do we do? And Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Simple terms. And those of us who have gotten on the path, it's still possible we step off and go back into sin, but we can come home if we repent of that sin and pray for forgiveness. There's no reason for anybody to leave this building without being a part of the faith life. We pray you will make your decision as we stand and sing.